Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. So we're in a series called Life-Changing Prayers. The first week we said, God, break me, shape me, search me. See if there's anything inside of my life that needs to be uh, corrected. Is there any wicked way in me, any offensive way in me? We talked about break me, Lord, like break bread. And I had some bread up here. When we break the bread, we can give pieces away to others. Lord, break us. Uh, We talked about the fact that when God is silent last week, uh, search me. And today, here's our prayer. Use my broken heart and move me to serve. Use my broken heart and move me to serve. So I want to take you to the life of Nehemiah a little bit this morning. Uh, I don't have a lot of jokes to tell, but I do have uh, some concern on my heart because I know what happens in my life is probably what happens in yours. We hear a story and something breaks our heart. We hear about a family that needs help. Something breaks our heart. We used to sing that song a lot around here, Uh, that had a great line in it, and I still pray this line, break my heart with what breaks yours. Oh, we can be involved in a lot of things. We can be busy about life. But how about this prayer? God, what breaks your heart in my family, in in my neighborhood, at my kid's school, out at Vandenberg Air Force Base, in in our county? You see, what was going on behind Nehemiah chapter 1, if you have a Bible, you, you can turn there, or a Bible app, Nehemiah chapter 1, What's going on is the people have been in Babylonian captivity, 70 years. And during this time, the king says to them, okay, any of you that want to go back to Jerusalem, you can go back. Now, there's about 3 million of them. Only 50,000 want to go back. And when they go back, the the reason that they weren't so uh, keen on going back is the walls of the city had been torn down. The gates had been burned. There's no infrastructure. There's no protection. There's looting. There's stealing. There's all kinds of violent acts going on. And 700 miles away in a palace, Nehemiah lives. 700 miles away, out of sight, out of mind from Jerusalem. But yet God breaks his heart for the people of Israel. God breaks his heart for a city that needs to be fortified. Now, Nehemiah's job was he was a food taster and a wine sipper. Not a, can you imagine? Your job is just to taste the food and sip the wine. Some of you are saying, where do I sign up for that? But we, the reason he was tasting the food and sipping the wine was to make sure there was no poison in it to kill the king. So they would check Nehemiah's vital signs. If he was still standing and his heart was still beating, then the king would eat the food. If Nehemiah were to die, then they would say, thank you, Nehemiah, for doing your job. See see you later. But something happened in Nehemiah's heart. And we pick it up in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. Now, let me stop and say, some of you like trivia, the name Nehemiah means Jehovah comforts us. And the name Hakaliah means He in whom the Lord delights. Now remember, in biblical times, names were given or changed to represent the person. So we can understand that Nehemiah is raised in a household of faith, faith in God. And here's what comes to him. 
One of his brothers came from Judah with some other men, and, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant. Notice what he does. He questions them to say, how are the people doing? How are those 50,000 people doing after they've survived the exile? And tell me about Jerusalem. And they said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province are in what? Great trouble and, great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and the gates have been burned with fire. And God begins to break the heart of Nehemiah. It'd be easy again for him to say, well, not my problem, not my circus, not my monkey, not my issue. But 700 miles away, Nehemiah has a deep concern. First of all, would you write this down? God's call to life change always begins deep in my heart. I will personally change when God challenges me. I will personally change when the pain to remain the same becomes greater than the pain to change. Let me say it again. I will personally change when the pain to remain the same becomes greater than the pain to change. When the pain to remain the same. For the last couple of days, I've been really good. Been walking, been eating right been drinking water, and cutting out sugar. I'm so proud of myself. Wait, three days. Don't get too excited. (laughs) Listen, folks. Listen, this is true of our health. When the pain to remain the same becomes greater than the pain to change, then we will change. Nehemiah says the pain to not do something about Jerusalem is greater than the pain to do something about Jerusalem. God desires to put his heart in his people. So search me, God. Break me, God. Speak to me, O God, and use my broken heart to move me to serve. Now, let me tell you what happens to me. I don't know if this is true about you. You ever get calloused a little bit? We have so much information coming at us. Ethiopian jetliner 157 people crashes. It's a Boeing 737-8 MAX plane. It's only four months old. And it goes down. All I know is enough to know that there are people who are grieving and, and wailing. They're crying out, God, why did this happen? I was thinking about uh, Zachary Wilkes. Some of you remember him. Next Sunday will be uh, two uh, two years that Zachary's been missing. His brother Andrew played the bass today for us. And Zachary's parents, David and Elizabeth, were a part of our church for many years before they moved to Virginia. And I was this morning when I got up really early praying for Zachary Wilkes. They don't have any idea what happened to him. He was on his way to Las Vegas. Some of you have heard the story. He was on his way to Las Vegas and he vanished. Break my heart with what breaks yours. And I prayed this morning, God, is there any way that somebody might have info where they could come forward at least to give the family something? We talk about closure. I think that's a misnomer. I don't think the book is ever closed. But wouldn't it be nice for the parents, for the brother, for the family to at least have some knowledge? This 17-year-old girl, I prayed about it this week. How could you not, if you're aware of what happened in our town, an innocent girl loses her life? 
And all I know is this. All I know is this. We live in a fallen world where people do horrible things. And even though, even though we have so much info coming at us, we should never, ever have a heart that can't be compassionate. We should never, ever. Now, we can't fix everything. Don't you wish you could? Magic wand, fix everybody's problems. Don't you wish you could? Don't you wish you could take all our young people and give them just great things to do all the time and make sure they stay out of trouble? We'll put an angel over each one of their shoulders. Good angels, by the way, right? Don't you, you can't do everything. But here's the question. Nehemiah had his heart broken in order for him to do the right thing and the best thing. See, life change is always a result of the brokenness of heart. Break my heart with what breaks yours. The people are in great trouble and disgrace. The word great trouble means adversity, and the word disgrace really means shame. I'm living in a place of shame. I'm living in a place of shame. So here's what Nehemiah does. Nehemiah 1.4. He heard these things, and he went on Facebook and told all his friends. <laughs> Someone needs to do something about this. No, come on, come on, come on. Somebody needs to fix this, you know? No. He sat down and he wept for some days. By the way, that was four months. Scholars tell us that it was four months. I mourned and I fasted and I prayed before the God of heaven because my heart was broken. I knew the first thing I needed to do was get on my knees and cry out to God. The second thing is God breaks our hearts so that we may be motivated to change our lives and the lives of others. See, the best thing is that God's going to work in you before he works through you. God's going to change your heart before he allows you to change the heart of others. Change my heart. Help me listen to understand rather than just speak to be understood. There are people all around this community with all kinds of values and morals, and, but I, 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 want to, I want to hear them. I want to listen to them. I want to find out if there's anything that I can do to add value to people around me. Or like our church, like when Keith came to me and said, hey, we're going to put smoke alarms in. I said, hey, why don't you use our connections building? Yesterday, Little League was in our connections building. It was picture day for Little League. And a couple years ago, they had Little League pictures at JM Park, and it rained cats and dogs. And they called and said, can we get in your building? We got a bunch of wet sewer rats here in uniforms. They want to take their... So we opened up the building. Yesterday, they were, they were all here. Why not? And I said, Keith, why don't you guys come here? Use this as your base. I mean, I think it's a good thing. I think God smiles. We put in smoke alarms. Hello. Works for me. Does it work for you? Good. That's why you're going to be here, right? Good. We're going to sign you up. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> God breaks our hearts so that we may be motivated to change our lives and the lives of others. Could I just ask you a question before we get to the end of this message? Where is God breaking your heart today? Where is he purposefully wrecking you? You can't shake it. It's just driving you, you crazy. Years ago, a lady saw a video of children in Darfur who were drinking dirty sewer water because they had no clean water. And she came to me and she said, I have a great burden, that was the word she used, for clean water. Pastor, you need to do something about it. And I said, how about I help you 
figure out what you can do. Oh, so let me, true story. She went home and she told her kids, we're going to start collecting all of our aluminum cans and plastic. We're going to ask the neighbors who sometimes put theirs in the recycle. If they would just put them in a bag for us, we'll pick them up every week. So first week, they had like $37. Next week, about $40. Next week, about $50. Last I heard, they're up to about $150 to $175 a week. And we have a church that I found out about. It's a Methodist church in Ohio. They're actually digging freshwater wells in Darfur. And for years, we have supported them. Now, catch this. All I did was I became a traffic cop. I said, you got a need? I think I have it. So I connected her with that church. She sends her money to the church. They send her pictures. To ex- See, break my heart with what breaks yours. She was brokenhearted about little children drinking polluted water. And now she's raising up her kids to realize we can do something from little old Lompoc all the way on the other side of the world to make a difference where children just like you and just your age are able to drink fresh water. Now, by the way, when God breaks your heart, Don't all come running to me and say, Pastor, you got it. No, no, no. God breaks your heart because you can become the answer to your own prayer. Yeah, yeah. I love what Philip Brooks says in Nehemiah's prayer. He says, do not pray for easy lives. Pray for stronger people. Do not pray for tasks equal to your powers. Pray for powers equal to your tasks. Then the doing of the world shall be no miracle, but you shall be a miracle. Every day you shall wonder at yourself at the richness of life which has come to you by the grace and the power of God and the Holy Spirit. This is how Nehemiah prayed. But this is not the first time, by the way, that someone would reap over Jerusalem. It says in Luke 19, 41, as Jesus approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and he wept over it. You ever wept over your city? Ever wept over your neighborhood? Ever wept over the homelessness of people in our town? Ever wept over the people that we are so fortunate to feed on Monday nights? Every Monday night, we have the community kitchen right here in our annex building. Some weeks we serve 80 meals. Some weeks we serve in excess of 125 meals. And we give them a to-go meal for the next day. And boy, I'll tell you, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful ministry. There are so many wonderful things happening in our community where people are caring for others. But have you ever wept over the city? Every once in a while, just just my thing. It doesn't have to be your thing. I go up to Beatty Park at the top of the hill, or I go up to Harris Gray, the other hill, and I park my car, and I look down on the valley either way. And uh, sometimes, haven't done it in a while, I walk up to Lookout Point. That's a hill. Come on, some of you know the hill. The last time I was walking up the hill, two people were running next to me. Hey, how are you, Pastor B? They ran to the top. They came back. They ran up again. I still hadn't made it to the top yet. <laughs> and you could see the valley. And just to stop in the stillness and say, God, where are you working in our city? Where are you working in our valley? I, I went to a goal-setting workshop yesterday for two reasons. I care about my town. And I found out that a 1,000 people had gone online and taken a survey about goal setting for the city. I think that's great. I think more should have done it, but I, I think that's great. And I sat there, and I quietly prayed. I prayed for our mayor and council. God, give them wisdom. Give them strength. We have a budget shortfall. We've got a lot of things on the docket, you know. 
Somebody said to me, aren't you glad that new businesses are coming to the city? Somebody went to the podium yesterday and said, new businesses are coming because the previous business failed. Uh, we had the, the uh, 99 cent store, then we had the dollar store, now we have five below. We're moving up. Come on. <laughs> is five below? I don't know if five below. Is it good? Yep, good. Good. Then you better support them. Be nice to them. Encourage the people that work there. They thank you for serving me today so that they would, they would stay. And, but pray for their success. Is that good? We should pray for their success. And so we should pray for those in authority over us. It would be easy to stand back here. Nehemiah could have done it 700 miles away. Hey, uh, <clears throat> let, me, let me just paraphrase. Let the city council of Jerusalem take care of all the problems. No, we can help our neighbor. We can love people. We can mentor children. We can help those that need help. We, we, we can encourage families. There's a, a young mom that we know of, and we're helping her through the church. Um, she has five children. She's a single parent. She works two jobs. <sighs> Forget the two jobs. That, that'd be tiring, but five kids? God help her. And she's trying to put food on the table, and she's trying to do her best. And so we're able to help her a little bit. And sometimes one of the ways we help her is, guess what? Somebody goes and watches her five kids so she can have a breather. It's quiet in here. Come on now. Hey, what do you do when your heart is broken? Where's God breaking your heart? The best people to lighten the load are those who have felt the weight themselves first. So Nehemiah 1.11. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor. Now, he's not praying a bless me prayer. Give your servant success today so I might have a nice day and the weather's to my liking and I can somehow gain that, that, that hour that I lost. No, no, no. Grant me favor because, Lord, I'm going to have to leave this place and obviously I need to get time off from the king, from being a food taster and a wine sipper. Because I'm going to move somehow 700 miles from here, and the odds are against me, and the enemies are against me. And many of you know the story of Nehemiah. He is a great leader, and he gets people mobilized together to rebuild the wall. And with one hand, they're putting mortar on the trowel and blocks in place, and the other hand, they're fighting the enemy with the sword. Can you imagine that? Fighting here, oh, oh, blocks. Fighting here, oh, oh, mix the mud. Fighting here to build the wall. And then these naysayers come right in the middle of it all. Their names are Sanballat and Tobiah. And they say something like this. Well, if a fox climbed on your wall, your wall will fall down. <laughs> it's not that good of a wall. There's no rebar in it. There's no bond beam. It's going to fall over right now. And Nehemiah's going like, thanks a lot for the encouragement, guys. I appreciate it. I'm trying to make a difference here. And all you're doing is ridiculing me. But see, when God breaks our hearts, number three, it's so that we might pray life-changing prayers. He said it in verse 4 to 6, for some days I mourned, and then he prayed, God, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. Here's what happens. Despair should move us into determination and determination into direction. Now, let me explain what I mean. Intention will never determine your destination. It's direction. Direction, not intention, allows you to get at your destination. Because you could say all day, well, I intend to, 
I intend to, and if you never do, you'll never get where you want to go. But if the despair moves you to determination, and your determination moves you into a direction, a God-given direction, then things begin to happen for you, and things begin to happen for others. What can I do with the weight that's in my heart? What can I do with drastic conditions? Well, the first thing we always should do is go right to our knees and say, God, I don't know what to do. What's a great day when you say to the Lord, I really don't have an answer, but I know that you do. The book of James says, wisdom comes from God, and to all who ask, God will give to them liberally the wisdom that they need for their lives. See, when, when God is big, then your concerns shrink. If your God is small, then you're overwhelmed by the enormity of your problems. God is so big. There is nothing that's gone too far that God cannot redeem. And there's not a person here or watching online that God doesn't want to use to make a difference. So I'm going to change the name of the guilty to protect them and just tell, them, tell you that there's a couple in our church that told me about Mr. Smith who lived on their street. And they said, Mr. Smith is a mean, cantankerous old fart. This is their word. I'm quoting. Sorry. I just said that word from the platform of a church. <laughs> they said, Pastor, we don't know what's going to happen with Mr. Smith. He just mean, old, and cantankerous. And so one Sunday after church, they stopped me out front, and they said, we got this guy on our street. Would you be willing to talk to him? You know what my answer was? You're going to like my answer. You want me to go to Smith? He's your neighbor. He's been your neighbor for how long? Seven years. Seven years. You want me to go over and speak to Smith? What am I going to say? Hey, I'm some pastor guy. From some chaplain, police chaplain guy. Oh, that's great. You know, brrr, stay away, right? I said, wouldn't it be wonderful if you guys walked across the street and talked to Smith? Oh, it sounds like God's breaking your heart for Mr. Smith. I said, let me, let, me, let me help you with Mr. Smith. Why don't you just ask him one day, say, we're taking a survey. What's your favorite cookie? Find out what it is. Come back two days later with a dozen fresh baked cookies and ask Mr. Smith how he's really doing. Why don't you share the faith that you have in Christ with Mr. Smith? And you know what they said? Well, what if he doesn't like us then? Because we're trying to be, he doesn't like you now. What do you have to lose? Hey, a little love goes a long way. I'm serious. I said this to somebody who, you know, I don't really know that well, but I walked up to them and said, hey, can I, can I tell you something? I've been kind of watching your life. I don't know if there's anything I could do for you, but I'm sure offering myself. And here's something that's happened of late. I think about you. I pray for you. And God has raised a level of care in my heart for you. I just want you to know I, I care. Thank you. And they walked away. Three days later, I got an email. And they said, uh, appreciate you reaching out. The timing is perfect. My life is falling apart. I thought, wow. 
Break my heart with what breaks yours. By the way, it cost me this much in dollars to reach out to this guy. It's going to cost that family some ingredients and a little bit of oven time to make something sweet for Mr. Smith, who's not very sweet himself. I love what Nehemiah goes on to say. I confess, verse 6 and 7, I confess, we Israelites, he takes ownership. By the way, this is our city, this is our county, this is our country. We take ownership. He did not commit the sins that Israel was being punished for. But notice what he says, we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly toward you. We, we have not obeyed his commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. We violated you, God. I take ownership and we confess and we ask for your blessing and grace to come. See, Nehemiah couldn't change the heart of the nation, but he could deal with his own heart. And he does. So here's the question. What am I going to do with what God is purposely allowing to break my heart over? He goes on to say in verse 8 to 11, we won't take time to read the whole thing, but he goes on to talk about the faithfulness of God. These are your servants whom you've redeemed. Remember your promises, God, that you would bring them back together. You think God needs a reminder? Not at all. Nehemiah needs the reminder to declare to God his goodness and, and his grace. Number four, God breaks our hearts so that we make ourselves available to God. Here I am, Lord, and here's a life-changing prayer. I'll be available. Hey, Lord, Lord, let me go. Let me be a part of the solution. Let me be a part of the answer for people around me who desperately need to know about your love and your grace. Let me be a part of the, the solution for the school that my kids attend. Let me be a, a part of the solution. Let me find ways and means, just like that family who said, fresh water is important to us. We want to figure out what to do. And now for many years, they've been doing it. Break my heart with what breaks yours. Now, when I say broken heart, I don't mean that somebody has hurt you or offended you. You can have a broken heart that way. Or someone's lied to you and betrayed you. You can have a broken heart. This is a broken heart about a situation beyond yourself that requires your interceding for it, standing in the gap for it, rising up for someone who can't rise up for themselves. And I love what he says, Nehemiah 1.11, give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. By the way, this man is his boss. His boss is the king, and he calls him a man. Nehemiah didn't even want to say that there's any king above my king, God, but just this, this man. So before we end, I'm going to close with a verse in just a moment. But before we end, different message today. From the life of this guy, Nehemiah, a life-changing prayer. Use my broken heart and move me to serve. Where can I make a difference? Where can I add value? Where can I do something that I never thought I could do before? My prayer has been for a long time, and it is again for today, that God would use us to be the answer to the prayers that we pray. I pray last night, I pray again this morning, that God would watch over those who watch over us. That God would care for people who are caring. I just think about 
people uh, who serve, who have elder care in their own homes. Some of you are caring for your elderly parents. God bless you. I, I think of my own dad who's in the convalescent center, 96 years of age. I thank God for the people that are caring for him. I go, how do you do that job? I have no idea. There's people over there serving and uh, they, with dignity, taking care of our elderly. God bless them. We should pray for them. School teachers. Could you imagine being a school teacher today? There's some kids who need some better parents. That's all I'll say with that. <laughs> Let's pray for those who are making a difference. But then whatever God breaks your heart with, ask God what you could do about it. The last verse is a great promise. Nehemiah 4.20. And here's what he tells. He tells the people, uh, yeah, Nehemiah 4.20. He tells the people that our God will fight for us. They were wondering how they would ever fortify the city, how they would ever overcome the overwhelming odds of fighting against the enemy and build the wall. And this leader stands up and says, hey, everybody, everybody, our God will fight for us. And we're going to follow him. And he's going to show us the way. I like that. I like that. And here's my everybody. God's going to use you and use me. Where is God breaking your heart? And what are you going to do about it? We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.